This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Mike Gruber, Vice President for Federal Affairs for the Grocery Manufacturers Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the Corn Farmers Coalition, growing safe, abundant, and affordable food in a sustainable way. We'll hear from Mike Gruber after this from the Corn Farmers Coalition. Innovation, efficiency, and productivity. For America's family farmers, this is a reality born of commitment and necessity. Today, farmers can plant up to 43% of the nation's corn crop, an area bigger than New York State, in a single day, thanks to advances in machinery, management, and technology. Growing safe, abundant, and affordable food in a sustainable way is a great American success story. To learn more, go to www.cornfarmerscoalition.org. Innovation is growing in the cornfields of America. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. This week, our guest is Mike Gruber, the Vice President for Federal Affairs for the Grocery Manufacturers Association. Much debate has been given to whether foods that contain ingredients from genetically modified crops should carry special labels. The Food and Drug Administration and the U.S. Department of Agriculture have said the crops are safe and there's no need for labels. Still, over two dozen states have or are considering laws that would require labeling. One state has approved such laws and is seeing legal challenge by the grocery manufacturers and others. Mike Gruber says food labels include everything from marketing and allergy information to government-mandated nutrition facts. Gruber says health and safety of their products for consumers is their top priority, but that food labeling is a task that isn't getting any easier. We have uh, been battling this uh, in about 30 different states. We have uh, been battling about 125 different uh, bills that would require our companies to uh, put a, a label on our products indicating that uh, it may or is produced with uh, genetically engineered ingredients. So it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's an important policy issue for us. Uh, we're advocating for a national standard. Uh, the FDA has been in charge of food labeling for over 100 years, and uh, we'd prefer to to keep it a, a national standard so that we don't uh, have a patchwork of, of state labeling laws that would make it difficult to uh, market between the states and that it would just be disruptive to interstate commerce. Last week we had a chance to talk to Phil Singh, the CEO of the Meat Export Federation, and we were talking about uh, the basis of trading our product around the world, and, and it was suggested that there is science and then there is accepted science. What does the science say about genetically enhanced crops in the view of the GMA? Well, the science says that these products are, are safe. The ingredients are safe. Uh, we rely on the FDA and the National Academies of Science, uh, and uh, there are probably 1,700-plus studies that have uh, reaffirmed the safety of these ingredients. and. As I talk with policymakers, I stress that we know more about these genetically engineered plants than we do about the, the conventional hybrids. So we're confident in the safety, uh, but we're also battling um, a lot of misinformation that's spread on the web, uh, mostly uh, about uh, the safety of these ingredients. In fact, when when I you know when my daughter was diagnosed with celiac disease, going on the web as any parent does. I was startled by the amount of misinformation that I uh, was uh, reading about GMOs and celiac disease uh, statements that are just absolutely false. 
You have one state that has a mandatory labeling law now in effect. You have, as you mentioned, other states that are considering it. What's wrong with state-mandated labels? Well, if you're a company and you're manufacturing a food product in one state and shipping to 38, and uh, among those 38 states, you've got one or two or three different states that have a different labeling law, and those laws each have a different regulation on where on the on the product a genetically modified uh, uh, identifier should be placed. That's going to be disruptive for those manufacturers in their manufacturing process, uh, and it's much more complicated than just the cost of creating a new label, even though a lot of these companies uh, have thousands of different uh, product lines. Um, but it would uh, require them to create different inventories, different shipping lines, um, it would be a fairly complicated process where you'd have to stop manufacturing uh, to uh, make sure you're making the product for those specific states uh, so that you're in compliance. I suppose it's fair to say that it could be done, but the question would be, what's the benefit and what does it cost? That's a good point. It, it could be. It, well, I'd say it could be done at great cost and with a tremendous amount of red tape, but... We don't believe it's any benefit to the consumer because this labeling battle really is not so much about what's in the food. It's how the food is grown, uh, and that's one of our uh, chief complaints about this is that if there's going to be a government, a mandatory government warning label on a product, it should be about the, you know, uh, the health or safety of that that particular product, and since genetically engineered ingredients are perfectly safe, there's no reason to put uh, an additional uh, labeling requirement on those packaged goods. What can you suggest that consumers are asking for? Is this is this where a majority of the people who shop in your, your customer or your member locations are saying, we want this? No, most consumers are still concerned about calories and, you know, Fat content or sodium content; uh, those issues, those uh, those those facts that you would find on a nutrition facts panel, uh, unprompted uh, questions to consumers. I think about one percent of consumers bring GMOs up as a uh, an issue of concern. Um, if uh, if you if you ask uh, consumers uh, about it specifically, uh, it, you know, you'll have folks respond that it would seem to make sense. But there are so many more facets to this, than, and it's much more complicated than I think most folks realize in terms of just how complicated the supply chains are, uh, what it means to have verification process. So, um, but this is not high on the uh, on the uh, scale of importance to most consumers. How is this different, the proposed or the mandatory labeling of genetically modified foods as opposed to organic or other types of food like kosher or others that are produced in different ways? How's this different? How's it similar? The organic standard, organic, the national organic standard. If you know, if you are a consumer and you're concerned about uh, this particular issue, uh, you have a choice. You can buy uh, organic food because the national standard doesn't allow GMOs to be labeled organic. 
So uh, there's that certification process. In in terms of kosher, um, we label for the rule, not the exception. Um, so uh, that's the difference there is that uh, we don't um, you know, label things that are not kosher, not kosher. Uh, so there is a difference uh, with these products, and consumers do have a choice, and is that organic label. What are your concerns that has brought the litigation against Vermont and what do you hope to be able to accomplish or to prove? We're, what we're doing, we filed a complaint seeking a stay because it's our intent to prove that the labeling requirement in Vermont is unconstitutional and it's going to be disruptive to interstate commerce. And it will do nothing to, uh, to provide any uh, benefit to consumers because genetically engineered ingredients have been proven to be safe. Corn is corn. Soybeans or soybeans. Is it is it right for a state to supersede federal laws? Right now, we believe that the FDA um, should have uh, primary authority over the labeling uh, of our products because it would be disruptive. Uh, but right now, unlike the USDA, that has uh, a national standard for meat labeling or poultry labeling uh, the FDA doesn't have that uh, doesn't have that same authority when i talked to some of the other agriculture groups before they had been that you know no labeling and and especially the type of label that might present skull and crossbones and present this uh, those items that were produced with genetically modified crops as ingredients uh they were opposed to that sort but but now they've uh, agreed with you that it's better to have a national standard than it is to have a patchwork standard. What are the legislation that you're looking for, and who are your sponsors, and, and what are details that, that you find attractive? So we're supporting a bill that was uh, introduced by Congressman Mike Pompeo, a Republican from Kansas, and Congressman G.K. Butterfield, a Democrat from North Carolina. Um, the bill number is H.R. 4432. Uh, it's the Safe and Accurate Food Labeling Act. Uh, really what this would do is it's a fairly simple bill. It would require, uh, if, if you're a, in the biotech industry or if you're a, a biotech company or even if you're a researcher at a, a land-grant institution, uh, that plant that you're working on would have to go, before it's commercialized, would have to go through a review process, a mandatory review at, at USDA, uh, EPA as well, and then there's a voluntary consultation with FDA. Uh, what this legislation would do is make that consultation mandatory so that uh, uh, all these plants in the innovation stream would at the very least be reviewed by the FDA before they uh, are commercialized. We think that's important to bolster uh, consumer confidence and for anybody that's got concern about allergenicity or uh, toxicological issues, the FDA would have all eyes on that uh, technology. The other thing it would do is it would create a voluntary um, labeling guidelines for the presence of GMOs and the absence of GMOs. So for the absence of GMOs, it would, um, you know, entrepreneurs, small companies, big companies, uh, if they've got a, a, a non-GMO product, uh, they could follow the FDA guidelines, uh, which is similar to what we use for, for our packaging right now in, in making certain that there are guidelines on what companies can and can't say or can and cannot claim in a product, uh, on a product. 
uh, and for the presence of GMOs, uh, the example I use is that uh, if the gluten-free wheat research that's being, that's being conducted in the Pacific Northwest, if that gluten-free wheat were to become commercially available, uh, then there would be guidelines at the FDA so that consumers like me, uh, a consumer with a child with celiac disease, could uh, see that a gluten-free wheat product made with wheat is actually gluten-free through agricultural science or genetic engineering. Uh, but again, there would be guidelines at the FDA stating what uh, a company could or could not say, uh, whether it's healthier or you know, they couldn't say it cures something, but something that is factual and not misleading to consumers. We think that's uh, an important provision to have in, in legislation. Um, it would also uh, require the FDA to define natural. The bill would not define GMOs as natural. It would simply require the FDA to define that for food packaging. Uh, and again, that's important. There are a lot of different. Uh, this has uh, been a, uh, a tricky issue for the industry, and there are lawsuits out there right now. I think about 200 related to the definition of natural. So that provision, again, is uh, something we think is uh, we need the FDA to, to simply act on. And finally, it, it creates a national standard so that we don't uh, have a patchwork of confusing state laws that we feel is, is unnecessary and, and disruptive to interstate commerce. I realize this is a very polar issue, and those who are opposed are opposed. But I also realize that there may be a day that if you listen to the science that is involved in the genetic enhancement, the breeding, the industry that's available, there may be a day, and that day may even be now, when you walk into a store and you want an ingredient that was produced with a genetically enhanced crop. Uh, so many different products that we're told in the pipeline of, of, of crop production that may be available I don't know that this is being addressed. I think you're right, and I, you know, I will go back to the gluten-free wheat example. As a consumer looking for choices and clarity, uh, this is something that would, uh, if that gluten-free wheat were to be commercialized, that's an additional choice for families such as mine. Yeah, at the end of the day, uh, we need to, uh, you know, we, we need that FDA assurance to, for the consumers so that they know these products are safe, that they have been reviewed. Uh, and I think you know, there has been so much misinformation spread for so many years uh, that um, you know there is it going to be there's certainly going to be a time uh, and I, I agree I think it's now where these technologies can uh, provide great benefits to consumers. Um, but we are supporting this legislation uh, because part of it uh, again would provide for that FDA review. Uh, even if it's just you know half a dozen reviews a year, uh, we think it's an important part of that legislation. You have any hope or or a, or a time frame from the FDA's perspective on when they might be able to take those steps for a national standard? Well, it will it will take an act of Congress. Uh, so we will uh, we we are hopeful that we will see action on this in the next Congress. We're running out of time and. In the current Congress, and uh, members are obviously focused on uh, the election season, and the legislative days are quickly evaporating. So uh, we're really looking at 2015 um, and beyond for action on this. We want to have a full discussion about the issue and the science and the bureaucracy and the, and the potential for a patchwork of state laws. We want Congress to talk about this openly with the public. 
the more policymakers talk about this, the more they understand the issue, and the more the public will understand the issue as well. Um, I do note that your your association says that health and safety is is a primary, and it's paramount in what you do. Um, so for you to take this position, I, I think it's something worth noting. Our industry has uh, a good working relationship with the FDA and uh, the farmers that uh, grow the food. We've got a coalition of 37 different organizations up and down the supply chain uh, working together on this issue because uh, we feel this battle over genetically modified engineering and uh, mandatory labeling really is a, a fight about modern agriculture um, and the future of, uh, of agriculture, how we farm, uh, and the implications of this. Uh, are, are far-reaching. I think it's going to expand well beyond just a, a domestic issue. Uh, if uh, the anti-GMO activists succeed, uh, there will be little incentive for uh, university researchers or others to innovate uh, through science to improve on disease-resistant plants or drought-resistant plants for uh, staple foods, here or staple foods that uh, would benefit smallholder farmers in developing countries. And uh, so uh, this is far bigger than just uh, a policy battle uh, in the United States. Uh, we uh, feel strongly that the, this has global implications. Our thanks to this week's guest, Mike Gruber, Vice President for Federal Affairs for the Grocery Manufacturers Association. AgriPulse Open Mike is brought to you by the Corn Farmers Coalition, growing safe, abundant, and affordable food in a sustainable way. To learn more, visit www.cornfarmerscoalition.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley.